We'll begin with a text, Luke 22, that has something in common with a recent chapel and with Lenten service, in that the subject of Simon Peter is part of this. On the night before his death, before the disciple would betray the Savior, Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall crow this day, shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. That does sound ominous. And I have to ask, would we have done any better? Try to picture it. Just a few hours before a very crucial crisis moment in your Christian life, the Lord Jesus looks you in the eye, calls you by name, and says the same words. Satan has asked that he may sift you as wheat. I'll rephrase. The devil wants permission from God to squeeze you, shake you, pressure you with temptation in the hope that you stop believing in Jesus. Would those words, spoken by the one who knows everything, stop you in your tracks, fill you with dread, make the hair on the back of your neck stand up? Or would we all invariably do as the apostles, Peter and the others did that night, pledge unswerving loyalty to Christ no matter what they had to face, no matter what we might have to face? Certainly the example of Peter has a warning for all disciples, all Christians. But there's a word of hope there too. Once you understand the forces at work, who is doing what exactly? And how does, that all, how does all of that relate to every temptation we face? First off, we identify that relentless opponent, Satan, the sworn enemy of God, who wants to put a target on your back, as he did with Peter and with Judas. You can be sure that he's coming for you and me, especially if he knows the best weakness to exploit. And if left on our own, this 1v1 confrontation, you versus the devil, well, that's game over. None of us can win that because no one is strong enough. Ah, but wait, it's not a 1v1. With every believer, it's one versus two. One versus three. I say three because 
on your side against the devil in addition to yourself you have Jesus and his heavenly father God the father has a role in our defense against temptation the devil can't try anything against you unless he runs it by God first think of the example of Job God does more than grant permission he sets a limit on how far Satan can go how much he can press he sets those limits so that 1 Corinthians 10 is always true God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it so God measures it and gives you a way to beat it a way of escape the question of course remains do we see that do we make use of it in Peter's case we know that he did not it's not a surprise though when you consider all of the Savior's words didn't he prophesy that Peter would deny him three times but he said more than that he also promised that Simon Peter would recover this is more than Jesus knowing the future he becomes hands-on loving his disciple to the end knowing the man's vulnerability and weakness fighting for him before and after Let's not think that the devil was only the only one talking to God in that instance. Jesus was talking too, asking his father to keep this temptation from killing the man's faith. That sounds hopeful, doesn't it? How could the father refuse what his son was asking? Simon Peter is not a special case of a man who got some special treatment. Jesus does the same for all of his disciples, past and present. As with Peter, he gives all of us advance warning. In fact, he would use the Apostle Peter to tell us in 1 Peter 5, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Along with that warning, we have the rest of God's word as the effective armor, a sword to repel, to ward off what the devil may throw against us if we use it. When we fail to do that, Jesus is hands-on with us. He goes into action. He prays for our survival he provides for our recovery. He causes your repentance. Jesus, thankfully, does not leave it up to us to resist successfully or to bounce back effectively. To the wounded, to the fallen in this battle, he sends the Holy Spirit like a medic from heaven. It's the Spirit in your hearts causing you to remember the Savior's words to own up to the guilt of your sin, to cling to the cross of Christ as the certainty that God continues to forgive. So really, this crucial battle is better than 
1v2 or 1v3. It adds up to 1 versus 4 in a manner of speaking. Think of the powerful allies on your side. Against the devil, you have God the Father limiting the force of the temptation, whatever the devil wants to bring. And you have God the Son arming you with the weapon and armor of his word and causing it to be so that God's forgiveness prevails when you fall. And the Holy Spirit helps before and after leading to that recovery every time he moves you to repent. In short, we can say two things. If it's one versus one, advantage Satan, and we could become like Judas. But if we stick with our allies, then you have the hope of victory in this form. Advantage Christian, because of the grace, truth, and power of the triune God on your side working for you, and also in you. Amen. We'll close our worship today singing stanza 5 of hymn 413. 413, stanza 5. Mm-hmm.